Shabbat Shalom, everyone, and welcome to our program. I'm Monty Judah with Lionel M. Ministries, and this program is about messianic teachings for Christians. Now, in the past programs that I've come to you, we've talked about several episodes about how the law didn't go away. The law of Moses didn't go away, that Yeshua said that he came to fulfill it. Now, that's the starting point for anybody who's transitioning into Messianic teachings, is we have to agree on what is the reference for our faith, the standards, if you will, of what the Lord has commanded us to do. Obviously, Messianics, we take the position that the Torah, the commandments of the Lord, they were given at Mount Sinai, remain with us. Now, I recognize that the Christian world doesn't do that, and that's what we're focusing on to understand how they view that verse differently than the way we do. I tried to share with you earlier about the word fulfill doesn't mean it goes away. And specifically, the word fulfill means to actually increase it, to make it even more powerful. And I also shared with you in the programs how Messiah, immediately after making those statements, went on to make additional statements emphasizing how the law does not go away, how it remains. And anybody saying it does is not in agreement with what he is saying. Furthermore, I showed you how the Messiah went in and was teaching the Torah. He was teaching the commandments and was proving to us and showing to us that the proper way to obey the Lord is to do it from the heart. You obey with the heart, you sin from the heart. And so one of the things that he's trying to teach in fulfilling the law, making it more full to us, is to explain that concept. As you know, the new covenant is the one that where the commandments of the Lord are now written on the tablets of the heart, as opposed to written on tablets of stone. So we covered that. We also talked about how most Christians understand there's two covenants, and there's an old covenant and there's a new covenant. However, the Bible reveals that's not as correct. There are seven covenants, and you don't have anyone referring to the other one as the old covenant. They are seven distinct covenants. One of them is still yet to happen called the covenant of peace. So that's a rather major difference between messianics and what you may have received in Christian teaching how you view the scripture, how you view what God has been doing with mankind. We went into detail about the new covenant and explained it as to what it says. And it's very clear the new covenant wasn't given to quote the church. The new covenant was given to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. That's Israel. The new covenant was given to Israel. It's not to make Israel go away and the church take its place. That is what churchmen have said. That is not what the prophecy said. That is not what Yeshua came teaching. We talked about the Sabbath and Sunday history, about how the church observes Sunday and the resurrection of Yeshua on that day, whereas the commandment that we're showing says, no, we keep the last day called Sabbath, and that's been from the beginning, and that's the day we rest, recognizing God as creator and it's a foreshadowing of the Messianic kingdom at the end of the ages when we'll rest from all of our labors of the world with the Lord in his kingdom. 
We also talked about what we refer to as Hebrew time versus Roman time. Today, you and I, we get up every day and we have a certain day of the week and we have the time of the day that's on our watches and our clocks and we have months and we have years and all of the things associated with keeping our holidays. We use Roman time. However, the Bible doesn't use that. The Bible uses Hebrew time, and believe me, every one of those items is slightly different in how the Bible views it. And that's critical for when you go to read the scriptures and you hear something about a time element in it, and suddenly you're using your understanding of Roman time, the common time we use today, but you're laying it over the top of the teaching of the scripture. You can alter the teaching. You can alter what the Bible is actually saying. And that's a good example of what typically happens. If we take, we're Americans here watching, if we take American customs and American idioms and American traditions and we lay them over the top of the Scripture, we can distort what the Scripture is saying. These are Hebrew customs. These are Hebrew traditions. We need, if we're going to understand the Bible correctly, we need to do it that way. All of it comes back to what is going to be the source of our instruction. Are we going to have the, the scriptures the way that we're really given? Are we going to listen to what the Lord really said? Or are we going to alter all of that and form the definition of what we call Christianity today, which is the church that emphasizes the New Testament only which emphasizes Jesus as opposed to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And by the way, don't misunderstand me. I believe that Jesus, Yeshua, his Hebrew name, is the Messiah. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I don't believe that he surrenders any bit of that glory of who he has been since the Creator to form within a smaller definition that the church would like to make Jesus to be. Now. Having said all of that, and we covered those topics, I can tell you right now that there are a lot of churchmen that are not going to agree with me on the things I've shared with you. And you possibly, where you're at, you may be in a church somewhere, and you know full well some of the things you've heard me say is contrary to what your pastor said or what other churchmen have said, and they know it's different, and they disagree. So you're always going to be, and all of the Messianic believers that are around today, they've had to go through this transition. I myself was a good Baptist. I helped build Baptist churches. I was a teacher in Sunday school. I preached. I was a very good Baptist brother in the faith until all of a sudden the Lord opened certain things up for me to see, along with what's happening in this generation, what we call the Messianic movement. The Spirit of the Lord is moving through the Jewish people and showing the Messiah afresh and new, but it's different than what the church has been spreading, what they call the gospel. The church gives you the idea that if you're a Jewish person and you accept Jesus, you stop being Jewish, you become a Christian. You can't make a Jewish person not be Jewish. You can't make a German stop being a German just because he changes his faith. Well, the same thing is true here. So with that just little bit that has been the transition, most Messianic believers have gone through this transition of controversy and conflict. 
because what the Lord actually says here when you open your eyes is different than what Christian teachers have said and do say. And on the topics that I've already been covering with you, they take issue with it. I don't want this program to be just a thing of a debate. But the fact of the matter is, all of you that are listening to this and are coming into agreement with Messianic teachings, you have to deal with this. We have to deal with the fact that not everybody's going to agree. In fact, a lot of you have a testimony that as you begin to obey the commandments of the Lord, you learn about them. Suddenly, your closest friends that used to be at church don't want anything to do with you anymore. Your own family members will think you've gone nuts and crazy, and they won't want to do anything with you. Now, mind you, all you have as a testimony is you're trying to obey the commandments of the Lord, and all of a sudden, they got a big problem with you. When I was in the Baptist church and I began to keep the Sabbath, I still went to church on Sunday, but I get, began to keep Sabbath and they found out about it. Oh my. And they decided they got a real problem with me. They didn't have a problem with me that I was the senior adult teacher. They didn't have any conflicts with what I was teaching. They didn't have any conflicts with the way I behaved. I was still a moral, responsible citizen still contributing, still helping at the church, all the good things that I'm supposed to be doing. But they took issue with the fact that I had a testimony that I was obeying the commandments of the Lord, and they can't stand that. And they kicked me out. Now, I'm not the only one this has happened to. Lots of messianics go through this. So why do they kick them out? What is so dramatically different from the leadership standpoint to do it? I have at my disposal here, and I want to use these two examples. I have two highly qualified Christian leaders. One has written an article that is addressing the very teachings that I've been sharing with you, taking issue with them. I have another one, which is a book that's been written specifically to take issue with everything I've done. And by the way, these aren't the only guys that are doing this. There's lots of Christian leaders who are doing it bit and piece, arguing, they're going to argue against you, and they're going to take scriptures, and they're going to primarily quote from the Apostle Paul, and they're going to quote from Apostle Paul, and they're going to say things like, well, what you just said, Apostle Paul said differently on these various points. And let's start with something very basic before I begin to do a little review on one of the articles and the argument they're making. Let, let's get something basic. Let's say, for example, that we have Messiah Yeshua has specifically cited this commandment and said, that does not go away. You do teach that and you do keep that. And then we have the Apostle Paul. He's explaining something and it kind of sounds like the Apostle Paul is saying something different than what Yeshua said. Now, do we believe that the Apostle Paul really was saying something different than what the Messiah said? Because you've got to understand, he's an apostle. If he's not teaching exactly what the Messiah said, he's a false apostle. He's a false teacher. He has to be teaching the same things the Messiah said. So if we have someone come up to us and say, well, dismiss what Yeshua said, Apostle Paul said this, well, they're suggesting that the Apostle Paul, they're trying to prove to you the Apostle Paul is a false teacher and they want to follow a false teaching. 
Did you know that this controversy about the Apostle Paul existed in the day when the Apostle Paul was walking around? Did you know there was a rumor against the Apostle Paul talked about in the book of Acts that he was going out and teaching the Gentiles not to follow the commandments? He was telling them, don't circumcise your sons. And there's a whole controversy in the New Testament about that. You know what? how it's handled? The Apostle Paul came back to Jerusalem, and with James, it was shared with him, tens of thousands of believers believe in Yeshua and are zealous for the law. But we've heard about you, Paul, that you're teaching something different. So to prove that all of that is false and wrong, what they're saying about you, we want you to go to the temple with these four brothers. We want you to pay their fees for the completion of their Nazarite vows, which is, by the way, a very lawful commandment. And he goes to prove to everyone that he is not teaching that. That's how he got arrested. That's how Paul got arrested. He was proving that this rumor about him and his teaching is false. He was not teaching that. Now, adding to that, the Apostle Peter, he's dealing with others who've read some of Paul's writings and teachings. And certain people are claiming that his writings are taking issue with some of the commandments. They're taking issue with the teaching of Moses, and they're taking issue with the Messiah. So you know what Peter said? He said, there are some men who are unstable and untaught who twist what Paul has written to their own destruction. Now, that's very key, unstable and untaught men. One of the things that I'm trying to do here in this teaching is to teach you some basics about what this Bible says, the law of Moses, the commandments of God. I'm trying, by the way, you have to learn how to keep the commandments of the Lord. It doesn't come natural. Every commandment has an objective, a standard, and a condition. And you learn to keep the commandments within that framework. Now, the Pharisaic Jews and the Sadducees tried to do that for everybody by listing all their do's and don'ts and so forth, which was inappropriate, and their judgments were flawed in many cases. And it turned into a whole series of do's and don'ts instead of actually what the commandments of the Lord said. This is the reason why Yeshua said of them, you prefer the precepts of men to the actual commandments. You have completely left the commandment to go off and do your precepts. And he said, your traditions, you prefer your traditions over the commandments. This is a case of where others, instead of teaching everybody how to keep the commandments, they put a select group and said, we'll tell you how to keep the commandments, and you got to do it the way we say. God never called us to do that. God called every person to learn his commandments for themselves and to apply the commandments. We observe the commandments to the Lord. We don't observe the commandments to a bunch of men or to a church or an organization. You certainly should not be keeping the commandments according to Monty. You should be keeping them because you've learned them and you're keeping them to the Lord. So the Lord says, if you love me, 
keep my commandments. We keep the commandments as a show that we love the Lord. The Lord said, do this. We do it because the Lord said it. Now, what you're going to find here in this particular article I'm going to share with you, we're going to review it. I've got a very qualified churchman. As a matter of fact, he's got a PhD, gone to some very prestigious universities and seminaries. He's going to write a description to you about us messianics. He's going to tell you what we do and what we're about, and then he's going to take issue with all of the major items that I've been sharing with you. So I want to give him some due time. Let's see what he says. Let's see if he finds himself twisting what Paul has said, because he's unstable and untaught. Let's see if he tries to pit the Apostle Paul against the Messiah. Let's see if he tries to do those kinds of tactics so that it sows confusion for us. It doesn't really show us the commandments. All he's doing is telling you, don't keep the commandments of the Lord. So let me do a quick comparison between me and him. I'm telling you, you need to learn and keep the commandments of the Lord. He's going to tell you, don't. So I'm going to let you make a decision after we review this. Are you going to listen to him? Or are you going to listen to what the Messiah says? That's really what this comes down to. That's what the core of this program is about. Are we going to listen to what the Messiah says? Or are we going to listen to what religious men say? Because religious men made the decision a long time ago to move away from the commandments. I mentioned to you just a touch about church history. This controversy that we're talking about, that we're dealing with right here, this was raging in the second century of this era. Within a hundred years after the resurrection of Yeshua, this is a major issue of the believers moving away from what God had done with Israel and the kingdom and establishing their own thing, establishing the church at odds with what God had done with Moses and all the others. So let me begin to share with you. This is an article. It's entitled, by the way, you can go to read this. It's gotquestions.org. And one of the questions was posed about, tell me about the Messianic Roots Movement. Some of what we've been talking about is under the definition of that. And his name is S. Michael Hoodman. Forgive me if I mispronounce his name. I believe that's correct. And he has his doctorate from the Dallas Theological Seminary, which is an excellent evangelical seminary. And let me read for you what he has to say. The premise of the Hebrew Roots Movement is the belief that the church has veered far from the true teachings and Hebrew concepts of the Bible. The movement maintains that Christianity has been indoctrinated with the culture and beliefs of Greek and Roman philosophy, that ultimately biblical Christianity taught in churches today has been corrupted with the pagan imitation of the New Testament Gospels. I think he said it very well. I could cite you example after example to support this. So he's, I, I agree with you. He's, he's reading us correctly. He says, those of the Hebrew roots belief hold to the teaching that Christ's death on the cross did not end the Mosaic covenant, but instead renewed it, expanded its message, and wrote it on the hearts of his true followers. 
They teach that the understanding of the New Testament can only come from a Hebrew perspective, and the teachings of the Apostle Paul are not understood clearly or taught correctly by Christian pastors today. He's saying exactly what I've been sharing with you. I would think this guy is very qualified to make comment on some of the things I've been teaching you, right? Seems to be reading me correctly. And he goes on further to say, Many affirm the existence of the original Hebrew language, New Testament, and in some cases denigrate the existing New Testament text written in Greek. Now, I can't agree with that. The study of all the manuscripts of the Bible, that's a completely separate study, and we all know anybody who studies the scriptures back to where we got them, the original text and so forth, there are copying errors. There were multiple copies things. Sometimes people added things into the manuscripts, but we have enough manuscripts that we can go back and we pretty much can determine that the basic Bible we have today is full of veracity and truth. Now, if you want to go back and do the detailed study of how they did all this without a Xerox machine, well, you can, but to say that we denigrate that whole process is false. That's part of the study of the scriptures. I've gone back and studied that as long as everybody else that's serious about studying the Bible does the same thing. This becomes a subtle attack on the reliability of the text of the Bible. Not true. It's a false charge. He's laying out a straw man argument. Oh, well, those, you know, those messianics, they, they really take issue with the scripture. No, we don't. We actually are supporting the scripture. It's they who are trying to do something different with the scripture. If the Greek text is unreliable and has been corrupted as is charged by some, the church is no longer has a standard of truth. What I can tell you is this, that Greek Septuagint that Christians like to talk about a lot, you know, the 70 rabbis who wrote the Greek text of the Old Testament. By the way, the Septuagint didn't have all of the scripture in it. Those 70 rabbis refused to translate a whole bunch of Hebrew scriptures to you because they were fearful that Christians and Greek-speaking people would be going back to the Jews and telling them who the Messiah was. They skipped whole chunks. That Septuagint is not a one-for-one -one copy of what the Hebrew Scriptures said. In fact, they altered some of the Hebrew Scriptures. By the way, they altered the Jeremiah 31 prophecy about the New Covenant, too. Now, that... I don't think is denigrating. I think that's a proper study to find out what does the scripture actually say. And if this guy copied this, and I can see the original, and he changed something, well, the part he copied correctly, I'm with. But this other part, I've got some original scriptures that is, is better. So when I pull together my thing of understanding the Bible, I'm going to be looking for the truth of it. I never, ever had a Christian teacher tell me about the Greek Septuagint that it didn't translate all of the Bible. I had to learn that on my own. Yet they swore up and down the Greek copy was the best copy. Didn't even have all of it that was translated. He goes on further to say this. Although... There were many different and diverse Hebrew roots assemblies with variations in their teachings. They all adhered to the common emphasis on recovering the original Jewishness of Christianity. I would have to disagree with that statement too. 
My study is to go back to understand the Hebrew part that applied to all of Israel and all peoples and all nations. I'm not just selectively taking a subset of that called the Jews. Now, I'm, I'm Jewish, but I recognize I'm just a subset within the definition of Israel. There are other subsets within the definition of Israel, but we're all referred to as Hebrews. We're all descendants of Abraham. Abraham was a Hebrew. He wasn't a Jew. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob didn't set up a Jewish thing. They set up an Israel thing, a Hebrew thing. So this point about saying original Jewishness, he short-circuited everything that we talk about. He's got his stereotype in his head. Oh, that's Jewish. Anything, oh, by the way, prior to the book of Matthew, oh, it's Jewish. The Bible doesn't represent itself as that. It represents itself as being Hebrew and Israel. And that that's the Israel that all of the families of the earth will be blessed by. That they'll be the light to the nations, to all peoples that God's plan of what he was doing with Israel was for the benefit of all peoples. It wasn't the selective benefit of just a subset of Israel called the Jews. Our goal here in teaching this Messianic teaching to you is to not make you Jewish. Let's get that out of your head. I am not here selling customs and traditions to you. I'm here speaking about the commandments of the Lord, and are we going to do what the Messiah said? And I'm not here to support an institution of Christianity or Judaism. I'm here to talk about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and what God decided to do with him, and the covenants he made with mankind through them, of which we are partakers in those covenants. So this statement about, well, we're just pressing in on the Jewish stuff, that this is the part where it begins to separate. He has no idea what we're about, and he has no idea about what we're teaching. He goes on to say the following, their assumption is that the church has lost its Jewish roots and is unaware that Jesus and his disciples were Jews living in obedience to the Torah. Let's correct that. Yeshua was a Jew. He was born in Bethlehem, the land of Judea, and there was one other Jew that was in that group of disciples. That was Judas Iscariot. The rest were Galileans. They lived in the northern part of Israel, where the other lands were at. Jews, as used in the New Testament, in the New Testament days, in the days of Yeshua, is referring to the people that are in Jerusalem in the land of Judea. The vast majority of the disciples were not, quote, Jews but they were part of Israel. They were considered of the tribes of Israel. You never hear any mention about that in terms of this. And the reason why the New Testament will focus in on the Jews is because those were the religious leaders that the Messiah was contending with. The Jews in Jerusalem, they controlled the temple. They controlled the teaching of the peoples. Yeshua comes teaching what Moses said. He comes teaching something different than what they've said, and so it's an issue between the Jews and him. And most Christians, when they read the New Testament, based on the teaching of most church leaders, 
they take that controversy about the Jews being at odds with the Messiah, and they assume everything previous in the Bible, going back to Genesis, everybody was a Jew. That's all Jewish. Those are Jewish feasts, Jewish commandments, Jewish traditions. You want to look for a basis of taking something out of context and misinterpreting? It is profound, this mistake that's being made. So no, we're not trying to recover our Jewish roots. We're trying to understand what the Lord has said that's benefit of all of us. He goes on to say the following. This means that the ordinances of the Mosaic Covenant must be central focus in the lifestyle of believers today as it was in the Old Testament Jews of Israel. Yes, the commandments of the Lord that were given at Mount Sinai have not gone away. And they still are part of the definition of our faith. Those commandments are still valid. Now, before we go any further, you heard me say this before. Not all the commandments apply to everybody. God gave the commandments in the Torah to cover most of the situations about your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. And so there's a lot of commandments in there that deal with how to worship God correctly, the way he wants to be worshiped. There's commandments in there about how we behave toward one another. How do we resolve conflicts amongst, amongst ourselves? Quite honestly, how do you repent, say you're sorry? How do you make restitution? All, all of those kinds of good things that we want. That, that's what the bulk of the law is about. But I can tell you right now, out of the 613 separate commandments that are in there, there is no one person that keeps all of them. It's not because they can't keep them. It's because they're not qualified to keep them. They don't apply to them. For example, how many of you sitting out there are the high priest of Israel? Oh, you're not? Okay, you don't have to worry about the commandments that was given to the high priest of Israel. How about just being a priest? How many of you are sons of Aaron? Oh, none of you? Okay, well, then those commandments don't apply to you either. How about this one? How about you're a man? Okay, and I know that's confusing today, to today's culture, but let's say you're a man. You don't have to worry about the commandments for women. By the way, there's a whole bunch of commandments for women. You don't have to worry about those. Let's say that you're a boss and you have employees. There's commandments that you have to keep, but as a secondary person, you don't have to keep. It depends on what station of life you're in, brethren. Let me go ahead and summarize it all. It turns out that all of us basically are supposed to keep 10 commandments. And out of that 10, they summarize down to two commandments. You're supposed to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you're supposed to love your neighbor like yourself. That's the law. That's what the teaching of the commandments are. But other people have other ideas about what the commandments are. They think they can't be done, and, oh, they're confusing, and, and so forth. And taking people back to this, we're putting something on them that they should never have upon them, and, and so forth. Let me continue to read what else he has to say. Keeping the Torah includes keeping the Sabbath on the seventh day of the week, Saturday, celebrating the Jewish feasts and festivals. By the way, they're called biblical feasts, not Jewish feasts. And keeping the dietary laws, avoiding the paganism of Christianity, Christmas, Easter, etc. And learning to understand the scriptures from a Hebrew mindset. You know, I don't have a whole lot of problem with that. That is the basic teachings of Messianics. That's what you heard me teaching. 
I, I give him points. He's accurately described it. More, the bigger question is, what are you going to take issue with? Okay, that's what we teach. Now, what, what are you going to disagree with? By the way, he's going to disagree with all of it. He's going to take issue with every commandment. Uh, they teach that Gentile Christians have been grafted into Israel. Amen and amen. Paul taught that. Romans chapter 9. Okay? And this is one reason every born-again believer in Jesus the Messiah is to participate in these observances. Yes, you see, the commandment said it's for the native, the alien, and the sojourner. It's for all people who believe in the God of Israel. Now, it is not possible for you to believe in Jesus and not believe in the God of Israel. If you say, well, I believe in Jesus, I don't worry about the God of Israel, I don't know what Jesus you think is, but that's not the true Jesus. Because the true Jesus, Yeshua, he is the king of Israel. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And those are statements that have been made all through the scripture. And if you don't want to be part of Israel, well, you can't be part of Yeshua. If you don't want to be part of Sabbath, you can't be a part of Yeshua. If you don't want to keep the commandments of the Lord that Yeshua gave at Mount Sinai, and he did, and takes credit for it, then you don't believe in him. You cannot say that you believe in God and yet stand right to his face and disobey what he says. You're not believing in him. I don't know what game you're playing, but it's not believing. So he goes on here further. It is expressed that doing this is not required out of legalistic bondage, but out of a heart of love and obedience. Amen and amen. You're exactly right. If you're keeping the commandments of men, it's called legalism. We use the expression, hey, is that legal or that's illegal? Well, because we have laws that we've made. And when we make a law and you obey, we say it's legal. And when you don't keep it, we say it's illegal. But with God, when he gives a commandment and we do it, it's called obedience. We don't go around saying it's legal to obey the Lord. We say it's obedience to obey the Lord. And we say it's disobedience when we don't obey the Lord. In fact, the Bible explicitly says that. Sin is the transgression of the law. It's sin. It's not illegal. It's called sin. That's the flip side of it. That's what the Bible teaches. But they've mixed the two. And so they think that because we're obeying the commandments of God that we're legalistic? That's nonsense. That's the opposite of what we say. He admits it. We're saying that it's out of the heart of love and obedience that we obey. He's, he's right. That's what all of us should be saying. Why would you take issue with that? That's exactly what the Messiah taught, and even the Christians know that. However, they teach that to live a life that pleases God, this Torah observant walk must be part of that life. Oh, excuse me, you mean if I'm going to be obedient, I shouldn't be following the commandments then? Did I understand the logic of what he said? Oh, well, they, they say we want to obey the Lord, but now we have to obey the commandments. Amen and amen. Yes, that's right. If you're going to obey the Lord, you have to obey the Lord's commandments. That's it. That's simple. That's not hard. 
But for some reason, he thinks there's something wrong with that. He goes on further to say this. The Hebrew roots assemblies are often made up of a majority of Gentiles, including Gentile rabbis. Wow. His world is defined as only Jews and Gentiles in the world. My world is defined there are believers in the God of Israel and there are unbelievers in the world. To me, I don't care what nation you come from. I don't care what ethnic group you may be. I don't care. You have a choice to make. Do you want to believe in the Creator God, the God of Israel, and His Messiah who brings salvation to all people of the world? Or did you want to believe in something else? So it's finding fault with that. Praise God that the Messianic movement does not exclude any people in the world. That's what the gospel is supposed to be. Usually they prefer to be identified as Messianic Christians or Messianics and have accepted the theological position that the Torah, the Old Testament law, is equally binding on Gentiles and Jews alike. Amen and amen. I agree. I've read the scripture to you. I can show you where the Bible says there will be one law for all people. For the native, the alien, the sojourner. It, the, the Bible says that. Now, where did we get the idea? No, the law was just for the Jews. Well, that's the lie that's been put forth by Jewish rabbis and Christian leaders. That is not what Yeshua taught. That's not what he did. That's not what Moses taught or the apostles taught or the prophets of Israel taught. It's for all people. And by the way, that temple that we used to have in Jerusalem, there was a court called the court of the Gentiles that they used to bring the nations in. All over the world, they would come worship the Lord in Jerusalem. They forgot that? They forgot that's how it works? That was what it was intended. He goes on to say the following, they often wear articles of traditional Jewish clothing. I guess he must be referring to my kippah, which I believe I shared with you what this means. And they practice Davidic dancing. Oh my God, they, they're dancing. They're so excited to worship the Lord. They're out there in a circle and they're dancing and the kids are out there enjoying the Lord and that must be horrible. And I believe David danced, too, before the Lord. And his wife got upset with him about that. Thought he was making a fool out of himself. I guess they think that we going out and worshiping the Lord with joy and zeal, and the kids, I can't dance. I ain't got the lungs anymore. But the, the kids go out and they dance, and they think, that, oh, that's, that's horrible. Terrible thing. Huh. Terrible. And incorporate Hebrew names and phrases into their writings and conversations. How dare me use the Hebrew name of Yeshua of Nazareth. How dare me use the Hebrew expression, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Hebrew expression of who he is. By the way, you all know this. Yeshua never once walking around on the earth with us ever heard anybody walk up and say, hello, Jesus. That is a word, a name, that has been morphed and worked through the different languages since his days. And yet, if we want to go back and use the particular phrase or word that it actually was used, somehow that's inappropriate, somehow that's not, not supposed to be done. 
He goes on further to say this, they elevate the Torah as the foundational teaching for the church, which brings about the demotion of the New Testament. That is a false statement. The New Testament is the gospels, it is the letters of the apostles, it's the act of the apostles, and it's the apocalypse, it's prophecies. There's nothing in that that is inconsistent with what the law of Moses, the other writings, the Psalms, and the words of the prophets have said. It all works together. Now, I know a lot of my Christian friends have got that Bible that has that one page that separates them called the title page called the New Testament. And somehow they think that that title page, the New Testament, makes the, everything before it invalid in your faith. That is not true. Messianics teach the whole Bible. It's Christian leaders like this that only teach two-thirds of the Bible. They literally dismiss that, and yet they claim they believe in the Bible. They believe what the Bible says. He goes on to, the idea that the New Testament is faulty and relevant only in light of Old Testament is also brought the doctrine of the Trinity under attack by many advocates of the Hebrew roots belief. Let's talk about that specific, because he's making a specific statement. First of all, there are copying errors in the New Testament, just like there are in the Old Testament. If you get a guy who really knows his Bible, he can go through and show them to you. But they're not issues. They, they're not problems. But let's take this one here that we've got about the Trinity. Okay? The Trinity according to the church, is a very specific doctrine. It originates, I hate to say this, brother, it originates with the Catholics. The Catholics own that doctrine. Protestant Christians, they are adhering to the Protestant teaching. What is the Catholic teaching of the Trinity? That God has three persons, completely separate, yet equal. Separate, yet equal. Three different persons. What does God say about himself? He says that I am one. I am a unified one. And that I am the Father. I am the Son, the Redeemer, and the Savior. And I am the Holy Spirit. And we, throughout Scripture, have watched God manifest himself from the very earliest pages of this book, manifesting and revealing himself, clearly telling us he has parts. There are parts, and at different times, different parts do different things with us, revealing God to us. But the bottom line, he says, you will treat me as a unified one. You cannot separate out the Messiah from the Father. Yeshua said it. He himself said it. You cannot separate out the Holy Spirit from the Son of God. You can't do it. The Scripture emphatically says, don't do that. So the idea that we take issue with the Trinity, I'll tell you what I take issue with you. I am not going to stand for you to sit here and tell me that those three persons of God, they're separate. Not when my scripture completely says, you will refer to me as the Lord is one. And by the way, in the Shema, which is the watchword of Israel, this is what an observant believer 
says to the Lord every day, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now that is emphasized. That was spoken in the temple. That is the way it works. By the way, in the temple, when they used to say it, people would fall on their faces in worship of God. They didn't even remain standing when they heard those words. They humbled themselves completely to God in that definition. I can tell you this, when we get to the kingdom, you're going to find out that the Lord is one. And maybe you don't quite understand it right now. But to suggest our emphasis on teaching the unity of God and that he has parts, and, and somehow that's different from the words they've used, Trinity, that's not a dispute with the Trinity. That's actually teaching you what the Trinity really means without using that word. Because you say the word Trinity, that's a Catholic doctrine. I'm not teaching Catholic doctrine. I'm teaching this doctrine. I'm teaching what the Lord says of himself. And if, by the way, repeating what God says of himself isn't good enough, I think that speaks to a whole nother issue with regard to where they're coming from. Now he's going to try to use a little bit of scripture. This is going to get interesting for us, and my time is starting to run out here, but let me attempt to take this one on. As opposed to what a Hebrew Roots movement claims, the New Testament teachings of the Apostle Paul are perfectly clear and self-explanatory. Not according to the scripture. Remember me telling you that Peter said there is some unstable and untaught men that twist what Paul says to their own destruction? Where did you get the idea that everything that the Apostle Paul is perfectly clear and understandable? Let me repeat what he says. As opposed to what the Hebrew Roots Movement claims, the New Testament teachings of the Apostle Paul are perfectly clear and self-explanatory. The New Testament itself says there's some men that don't understand what Paul says. But you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to substantiate because he's going to read a scripture from Paul, and he's going to say that Paul is speaking with such precision on this subject that this will answer all of the questions of these messianics and what they're trying to say. And he's going to quote from Colossians 2, verse 16 and 17, which says the following. This is what the New Testament says. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath day, things which are a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. This is one of their favorite verses where they try to explain, hey, Paul just summarized the whole law. Paul just said, took care of the kosher laws. Paul took care of all the, the, the Sabbath day issue. He took care of the feasts of the Lord. He took care of all of the temple stuff, and he just lumped it in one big statement, and he just said, hey, they're just a shadow of things to come. The real substance is the Messiah. We can dismiss all the other stuff. Well, if you twist the words around, I guess you could make it say that. Except you all know, by the way, if you take a verse out of context, you can twist it and make it say anything you want. Well, let's take this verse. Only, let's read some of the verses that are before it, and let's read some of the verses that are after it. And let's see if Paul was actually saying what this guy is suggesting that he said. Let me start with Colossians 2, verse 6, 
That's 10 verses before this verse. That's the start of the thought that Paul's expecting. You know, the Bible's written with actual paragraphs. There's a whole paragraph of thought, and it might have three, four, five verses in a paragraph. So let's look at the paragraph. What, what was Paul really saying? Here's what he said. Beginning of verse 6 in Colossians 2, it says, Therefore, as you've received the Messiah as Lord, so walk in him. You know what that means? Walk means obedience. If you've received him in faith, now walk in obedience with him. Walk with him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, overflowing with gratitude. Just as you were instructed, how? Just as you were instructed by Moses and the prophets about God. Follow the Messiah just as you were instructed by Moses and the prophets. Is he advocating we not follow the previous instruction? On the contrary, Paul is saying, follow what was previously taught and walk in the Lord with it. He goes on to say, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to the Messiah. And the Messiah in this case is based on all of the testimony that's been given in the scripture previous, including the law of Moses and the prophets of Israel, the law and the prophets. Follow them along with their fulfillment of the Messiah coming. Don't let somebody come in and twist that and turn that around and give you a substitute for the instruction you have previously received. Don't listen to philosophy. Don't listen to smothered traditions of men. Don't let that disturb your base instruction and what you've learned about the Messiah already. And by the way, at the time this was written, there was no New Testament. All the believers, all they had was Moses, the prophets, and the other writings. And he's teaching them how to follow the Messiah. For in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. You remember me telling you the Lord is one? Guess what he's saying? Hey, the Lord is one. Follow that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In the Messiah is the fullness of the deity. He's God. That's what he's saying. Verse 10, and in him you have been made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of the Messiah. By the way, you are too circumcised. According to the law, you're to be circumcised. You too have been circumcised. But this time it's by the operation of the Holy Spirit on you. Wow. It turns out, now let me ask you something. Do you think the heavenly spiritual things are even more powerful than natural things that we have down here? I do. I believe the things of heaven are far more powerful and impactful than the examples we have here in the earth like nature and so forth, trying to understand heavenly things. And he's saying that the real circumcision is when the Holy Spirit comes in and circumcises your heart and removes and separates the things of the world from it. He goes on, let me just add this, verse 13. When you were dead in your transgressions, the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. 
Praise God that we have that. Having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. I love this verse. You know, was the law nailed to the cross? No. The decrees against us. You know, the ones like the soul that sins will die, and you have sinned, you have transgressed willfully and defiantly. You have committed sin against the Creator God. And by the way, you're worthy of death if you do that. That's what the law taught. Guess what? We're all guilty of that. So what did Yeshua do for us? He took our penalty and he paid the price for us. Did that make the, the law go away? Did that make God go away? Did that make the principles of God go away? Did that make creation go away? All of that remains. All he did was take the penalty that was against us from the law. He took care of that for us. He didn't make the law go away. He didn't get nailed to the cross. Our penalties were taken care of. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them having triumphed over them through him. Now, that's the verses that precede the verses that he was reading from Colossians. Having heard that and what Paul is saying, he's talking about a faith in a Messiah that's based on previous instruction. He's making a faith based on don't let other people sow confusion with you. He then says what we heard earlier, Therefore, no one is to act as a judge in regard to food or drink in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, which are the shadow of what's to come, but the substance belongs to the Messiah. I, I hate to tell you this, but religious people do this all the time. They learn some of the commandments of the Lord, and then they get a little knowledge about it, and they decide to, that since they know, learn this new thing, they decide that they're now an expert, and they're going to go over and tell other people how to keep the commandment. Oh, you're not doing Sabbath correctly. Oh, you have to do this on Sabbath to be able to keep Sabbath. That's what Judaism does. Judaism gives you 1,583 different instructions on how to keep Sabbath. What did Paul say? He said, don't listen to that. He said, you go in, you take the commandment that God has given to you, and you keep it. Stop following the traditions and precepts of men. Just obey the commandment of the Lord. It'll be a whole lot less confusing and a lot less trouble. And he goes through a list of, by the way, in the Messianic moment, we, de we still deal with this today. This verse is still applicable today. I have to correct some of my own Messianic brethren that want to go around instructing other people how to do the new moon festival and how to keep the Sabbath and the other command, basic commandments we keep. Men do this. And he's trying to say, don't follow the instructions of men. Follow the instructions of God. By the way, that would be firmly rooted and walking with the Messiah. Not kind of believing the Messiah, but doing what other men do. That's what he's trying to teach. And by the way, this is a very appropriate teaching for Messianic believers today. Yet he's completely turned it all the way around into something else. I'm going to give you some more examples. In the next program that we have here, we're going to go through and continue here because he's got some other verses he wants to lay out. But I can tell you very quickly what I'm going to present to you. This gentleman is going to take Scripture 
written by Paul. He's, he doesn't understand. He's unstable. And oh, by the way, I don't care if he has a PhD in divinity. He hasn't been taught the commandments. And as a result, he's going to twist and he's going to distort what Paul was teaching. Let me just remind you something. Paul was a Torah scholar. And these teachings that he given are the same teachings that are given in the Torah. I'm a Torah teacher. I can guarantee you that the Torah teaches exactly what Paul is saying here. They're one and the same. They're not different. And yet this guy wants to claim that Paul's teaching something different from the Torah. The reason why he's doing that, he's unstable and he's untaught and he's twisting what Paul's saying. I'm going to show you more examples of how this plays out. And this is what we have to deal with when it comes to messianic teachings for Christians. So we'll look forward to seeing you next Sabbath in our next program. Shabbat Shalom to all of you. Thank you everyone who listens to our podcast here at Line of Land Ministries. I want to remind you, you can get our podcast through Apple Podcasts, through Spotify, and wherever you like to download your podcast. Thank you for being a part of our program and listening to what we have to say.